Can you hear? Uh-huh. Well, it's gonna be quiet. Oh, these are no. These, How about now? No, yeah. these are the dick sucking mics. I swapped. I swapped them back. Oh, I, I did notice that. I noticed that. So you got it. You got it. You got it. You got to really no, get up t- on it. No, at the tip. At the at tip. tip. Yeah, oh, at, at the, the tip. Okay, oh, there it. it is. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you don't actually have to put the whole thing in your mouth. I was recording that, by the way. <laughs> That's the cold open. <laughs> oh, let's get started with that energy. This episode of Storm Bugs, we get bit by the love bug as we talk about our favorite love stories and games. And we quickly recap Valentiones Day. Buzz, storm of buzz, and we're going to tell you about how we saved the world. Welcome to Storm Bugs. As you heard in the intro, this is the love bug episode because it's Valentine's Day. Although this is not, this is not future Herbie. Wednesday. This Wednesday. Herbie was last week. Herbie was last week. But, uh, you know, shout out shout out to, which one was that? Um, no, Ameriloth was the medicine one. I'll get the table memorized at some point. Zudaphalon, I remember. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, on this episode of Storm Buds, oh, by the way, I'm your host of Light, Jerome Barbatsis, and I'm joined by my co-host of Light, Alexander Hambrock. Say hello, Alexander Hambrock. Hello. All right. No um, bits today. No this, bits. This We're is the... We're locked in. Shut up. This is... <laughs> talking over me this is the uh this is the final fantasy 14 themed gaming podcast of your dreams is that the new tagline that is the new tagline newish tagline one word if you just missed you if you were here for a final fantasy 14 recap content you're gonna get a taste of it today but you just missed us playing through the entirety of 2.0 to 6.0 go check those episodes out it's like 50 of them if you're interested in that kind of thing but if you're just here because you haven't played final fantasy 14 don't worry we're gonna talk about all sorts of games today we're gonna be talking about our favorite love stories in video games Ooh, and uh you know they are, we got some heavy hitters. <laughs> we got some heavy things to talk about this episode. We're also going to take a quick little, we're going to dip our tippy toes, dip those right back into the, the well of Eorzea. Just because there's a Valentine's Day event, the Valentiones Day Evento. I guess there technically is. There, yes. There, so it's, uh, it's just a little, just a little fun thing that we thought we hadn't done a little recap in a couple of weeks and we can't resist something that's like. A couple quests long, right? Um, so, of course, as usual, the first thing we do is we get distracted with all the things in our quest log. This is the segment where, if you're new here, we talk about the other games we've been playing, what we've been up to, and we catch up as friends, as friends do. What have you been up to this week? I mean, it's more Prince of Persia, and I got to say that game's real good. Okay. Here, here's, here's the anecdote I got, okay? Okay. So, um, very minor spoiler here. Yeah. Like halfway through the game, I hope a little more than halfway through the game, one of the powers you finally unlock is a double jump. And I got it and I was like, okay, double jump. Like, great. This is the most unoriginal sort of like Metroidvania power you can get. I guess they were running out of ideas, whatever. And then five minutes later, I was like, holy shit, this is so much fun. This double jump changes the entire game. Like like the, the way that it adds like an acrobatic, it just, it increases sort of the acrobatic feel of all of the movement throughout the entire game continuously in a way that sort of like continues to just feel like it's layering in more and more interesting, fun mobility that flows really well. And I did not expect them to take a double jump and make it actually one of the upgrades I've been most excited about. So that game is, I might say we play that game at some point. It's maybe down the road always, maybe. but it's really good. No, that's a, 
possibly i mean we just did a metroidvania we're still oh, just did as if oh i say just did because for me i finished hollow knight already <laughs> you finished Hollow Knight already <laughs> i finished it i can't wait to talk about it later um but yeah it can't have been that bad we did like 89 percent completion i have time to go back and do 100 if i want uh I don't. I guess okay. Yeah, hundred percent completion would not be bad. Hundred and I mean, there's all that DLC I still didn't do. There's like I just learned that there's all this DLC and stuff. I, like, I have well, not maybe. done all the DLC. It's mostly arena fights. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll t- I, I might take a look at it. It's I paid for it. Um, another thing I've been doing outside of Tekken Eight, which I talk about every time, is we started a new D and D. I say campaign here. We're trying to start a new D and D quick shot. Uh, doing a quick shot with a couple of friends. A uh, candle keep. Um, that's been really fun. I haven't played D and D in years, and this is the first time I've actually had fun playing D and D with people. Because <laughs> most of the time, I mean, most of the time, I get super bored during combat. But like, I mean, these are people I first know, which helps. But secondly, um, just my DM friend is is really she's doing an excellent job of keeping everyone involved and communicated at every step of the way so it's just a nice little it's a nice change of pace for me i mean we i got bit by the D bug from baldur's gate 3 and i was like well i want to make more characters and explore more but baldur's gate 3 as fantastic and as wide of a net as it casts can only do so much um so that's been really fun i'm playing a high elf wizard named <laughs> inspired by uh, dimension 20's fifth uh, ethereal and and Brennan Lee Mulligan's constant ripping on high elves. I've named her Ariara Aurora. <laughs> she has a twin sister named Aurora Aurora. Have you run into her yet? No, she's dead. Oh, she's oh dear. <laughs> she, but she but it's a haunted one situation. So she's like haunting me. <laughs> Hanging out over your shoulder. <laughs> this confusingly named group of people. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. That's been a good gag. It's a goofy time. It's not like a serious time it's just a quick shot we're like already almost done with it you know it's just a dipper feed into it so i'll probably be playing more dnd be getting more into that wink wink no i'm not no we're <laughs> not not, what? not i'm not committing to an actual play podcast no yet. It, god it's so much work we have some actual play one shots we've discussed i don't know about an actual like oh yeah one shot would thing. be fine probably um that is really i think it what else i mentioned tech and i don't know it's still great. I love that. Love that shit. But I've been doing the single player in it too, which is like not as robust as Street Fighter Six. If you've not played the Street Fighter Six single player campaign, it's thirty hours of high camp. <laughs> Highly recommend that. Even though that game, maybe when that game's on sale, absent of any other side quests on both of our ends, we are going to get talking about our top love stories in video games. We we got three entries each. Um, and, uh, I'm really excited to get talking all about the different facets and aspects of love. This is a broad definition here also. Could well, be romantic yeah. love, could be familial love, could be like strong emotional bonds, I think is what we're talking about. Mostly. I mean, um, well, w- you have a really interesting first pick here. I want to hear from you about your, your first top love story. Oh, I'm going first? Yes. I'm going first with, um, so I actually went with the <laughs> with the relationship between BJ Blazkowicz and Anya from Wolfenstein the New Order and Wolfenstein the New Colossus. Now, these, these are games, games I have games not from played. Machine games. Oh, I mean, have you, have you not played these games? I've not played that one, no. Oh, I mean, th- they, they kick so much ass. Uh, I guess I should say here, because we're talking about plot points and like character developments spoilers abound for every game that we're going to discuss here so we'll we'll say the name of each game and if you really don't want to hear the spoilers on a game from like um, in most cases five to 15 years ago skip ahead like five minutes yeah 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 okay five minutes boy i don't know let's see 
two minutes. We'll see. Uh, Wolfenstein, the new order slash the new Colossus. You are BJ Blazkowicz. You are a big meathead of a guy with a surprisingly sensitive side mm. who gets broken out of sort of a um, like an asylum kind of by this woman named Anya, who is a nurse there. And then you and her start form- forming the sort of resistance movement to fight against Nazi occupied Europe and later Nazi occupied America. Um did, uh, as sort of like you know partners in crime and it starts off with just sort of like it's it's a bit of a slow burn thing culminating in one of the more sort of like effective video game sex scenes i've seen mm. where you're both on a train headed for berlin and it's like this is the big mission i mean we've both got a lot of nerves what if we just go bang it out and then we can get ready to kill a bunch of nazis wow and then from there it leads into like because the thing about these games is that they've got a really surprisingly effective sort of emotional core around this resistance movement that you build up and that then gets kind of destroyed, that then you build up again in concert with the Black Panthers and a bunch of communists in America. It's really good. And throughout this whole thing, just like you and her are getting like, you know, they effectively convey this relationship that is based honestly on both the love these characters feel for each other but also the knowledge that both of them could die at any point and there's no guarantee that any of this will work and there's no guarantee that any of them will win and so there's no waiting they they get very emotionally involved with each other i think they get married in the Mm. little underground base she ends up being pregnant and they of course uh, they're gonna they're gonna have the kids because like we can't wait forever like we can't like wait until after we beat the nazis what if that doesn't happen what if uh, so that is that like, are they conceived on the train? Uh, no, no, <laughs> possibly. Actually, I think so. Actually, I think you're right. Cause between conception cause story. She's pregnant by the time the second game starts, I think. So oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I think that happens. And then like, and the final section of that game is her awesome. being pregnant, but also with like double dual wielding guns, breaking into a Nazi aircraft carrier that's flying above the clouds. And I just, I like it a lot. Cause I think again, it's a balance of they really effectively pull off a lot of the emotional stakes for all of these characters under these conditions of tremendous adversity and uncertainty. And their love story is a part of that. Mm. What sort of things make it, what sort of things are you looking for when you are thinking about an effective love story? I think, I think I need it to be sort of like effectively emotionally complicated. I think that if it's too, if it's too one dimensional, then it's both unrealistic and also uninteresting. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that like, you know, that they have to be like fighting or anything. Yeah. But in the case of the Wolfenstein one, what makes it interesting is taking this very sort of pure, very fervent love and placing it in the context of circumstances and situations that are fighting against that and forcing them to really kind of reaffirm it and prove it at every turn. Mm, Okay. I think that's a good answer. There's, I mean, there's so many ways you can, there's so many different ways to appreciate or not appreciate love um, in, in every sort of game like like that. I certainly wouldn't expect, uh, I certainly wouldn't have expected <laughs> a game like Wolfenstein to have an effective love story. We, mm, I might make it to the Wolfenstein games. Oh, They're boy. not that long. And okay. the, the, boy, there is stuff that happens in those games that I cannot tell you about. We'll but- put them on the list. Yeah. We'll put them on the list. We will put them on the list. Speaking of the list, it's my turn. And we're just going to get this out of the way. You know it's coming. I'm saying Cyberpunk 2077 right yeah, now. Yeah, obviously, yeah, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> well, actually, I haven't played it in a while. I finished that DLC and I'm like, okay, time to process some more. Um, for me, what Cyberpunk 2077 does in terms of its love is 
it's similar to like a, a similar to like a Mass Effect or a Dragon Age where there's multiple different characters you can choose to romance and each one of those is monogamous. It's not like a pansexual, you know, the the, the sex orgy like like Baldur's Gate 3 or or Stardew Valley, you know, where everyone can just love everyone and whatever. Stardew Valley famously I mean you just you just you just romance everyone and then you make them forget <laughs> so they can romance somebody else. That that's not uh, what happens in Cyberpunk twenty seven seven so much. Um, it covers a lot of aspects of love. It covers this romantic love, but also platonic intimacy between the other characters. You don't end up having a romance with. With, um, and I think primarily covers the the philosophy of like robust concern when it comes to love. Um, a lot of the times, especially V, is just sort of this headstrong character who goes into a lot of dangerous situations to try and find solutions for their predicament and no matter who you romance they're always going to be like man you gotta chill out (laughs) like um like they they do demonstrate effectively a for me effectively with their with their words and their tone of voice and their voice acting and they the amount of concern that they have for you which is a rarity in night city a lot of the times um it's hard to trust somebody uh when they are you know when they con- feign concern for you if, as a fi- as your fixer or whatever because they're just going to end up screwing you over in the end or something like that um and cyberpunk 2077 does a really good job of like helping the player character navigate which characters are narcissists and which ones actually give a shit about you um i was gonna say like, like i that, mean even though that- carrie kind of is both <laughs> Like, does that concern feel earned? Like, it feels like it builds naturally upon think, things that happen? I think particularly for some characters, if, especially if you're, like, attracted to them as a person, it does a lot a better job than others. I would say the the female companions get a lot more screen time than the male ones because, of course, they do. Yeah. And also, I mean, Cyberpunk 27 is 77 is just a tragically, you know, uh, uh, unfinished game on release that had to be fixed as opposed to a complete game. So what what could have been, right? Um, it also really discusses the sort of impact of like gang activity and consumerism and the people you lose along the way towards gang activity and like how, uh, for me, the uh, the use of advertising and the use of these of the corporate use of love, romance, and sex in their advertising and in their um, in their earnest efforts to take your money is pretty inhumane, especially around this time of year. And how like oh, you know, it is kind of fucked up that like you're getting podcast ads that are like. Hey, do you want to fuck good? Take this blue pill, you know? Like, <laughs> I mean, say more about that in Cyberpunk, though. Like, what's well, going on? There's some, I mean, there's some controversial ads where there, there's the, yeah, the, the, I've the seen one some of them. The, yeah. But there's other ones where it's just like, do you want, like, every, every step of the way, it's just, I mean, really what happens is every step of the way, somewhere in the zone, you're hearing something moan. <laughs> Some radio moan or some other thing. It's just like, taste the love. And there's a picture of an ass. And then there's just like, but it's just like, it's so overwhelming. That you, I, you catch your, I catch, I caught myself getting used to it and then be like, oh, that's kind of messed up that I can yeah, used to. Yeah, totally. It. No, it's weird. Like we get acclimated to this stuff and then we don't notice it around us yeah, until yeah, we step yeah. back and we're like, oh, it's strange. Um, and I, again, I mentioned the gang activity, just like the cost of, of putting yourself in risk, the robust concern, the people you lose to violence and the, the consequences of just trying to make your way in a, in a, heavily late stage capitalist capitalist society um but that is it for i mean that's about it in cyber oh i also wanted to mention that particularly 
I don't really mind that Carrie's romance was shorter than the others. I think it kind of encapsulates sort of this flash in the pan soul crossing sort of style of romance that I experience quite often. It's like, um, it's just one of those things where it's like, man, would I even, would I even have like told anyone about this other person? Cause there's so many, there's so many times where I've just been like, I, I don't think it's worth telling anyone at this point. So I don't really mind it so much in this video game. And I actually think there's a kind of beauty to the fact that it kind of was in like, what it kind of was quick and and beautiful and then sort of you had to move on from it i think that's a some that's not something that a lot of video games are doing yeah absolutely not i mean people everything i hear about the actual story in cyberpunk makes it sound really like something it's really great it's really great it buries the lead a little bit which is a problem by a little bit i mean like that whole first area it kind of buries the lead (laughs) if you've played it you know what i mean but um and uh, I mean, I was like told the lead before and I was like, oh, what the fuck? That sounds great. And I started playing this game. <laughs> so like they really should have just told you what the fuck was up right away. But otherwise, yeah, it's it's a it's a good one. We can add it to the list again. Uh, I'm, maybe I may also I, just play it independently. Maybe because like... then I don't have to go through it because <laughs> it's hard um, emotionally. But speaking of emotionally, uh, your next one ain't any easier. <laughs> nope. Uh, my, my second entry is Life is Strange, the Oof. original. I have played this one. Yeah, okay. So, um, I mean, I think, like, I'm talking specifically about the stuff with Max and Chloe, obviously. Um, and, and I think it's actually interesting to draw a contrast to, like, the later game Life is Strange True Colors, mm. which, like, I'm not going to talk too much about, except to say that that is a game that, in a almost slightly more traditional, like, dating sim style, like, fairly early on kind of signals, like, hey, here are the two characters that you might want to get with. Here's the guy and here's the girl. And like, you might want to take some actions to get closer with one of them or the other. And like, that's fine. That's how most sort of like romance focused games present things as like an option for you to pursue like that. Life is strange. The first one, whatever is going on with Max and Chloe, whatever direction you take that feels far more natural and far more sort of like organically developed. And, and there's, there's the moment where you can kiss her in episode three. And and a couple of things that I really like about that are that it, it comes kind of out of nowhere. Like it's one, it's not something that's been, that you've been building up to. It's not like the games have been, the games have been preparing you for this sort of ongoing romance between the two of them. And also it's the kind of thing that if you pursue it does not immediately like change the relationship between the two of them in these blatant, obvious ways where now they're dating or now they're saying they love each other or anything like that. It's a very sort of natural feeling evolution where like you, I mean, they're like what they're like 19 in that game and they're figuring stuff out they've not seen each other in a long time they have both have very different personalities but that also causes them to get drawn magnetically together and then the ways that they kind of bounce off each other and it all feels like a naturalistic approach not just to like any one individual scene depicting stuff between them but the overall evolution of their relationship to the point where like to the point where I know for a lot of people, you know, Max plus Chloe is like the canon direction that stuff goes. But the alternative version where you don't kiss her, where stuff doesn't end up going romantic, doesn't feel incorrect exactly. It feels like a, just a different version of events that is also how things could have gone. The relationship is intimate and complicated. And and I think for me, I yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. And there's a couple things I want to add on to it. I really like this game, too. I like all of what you said and i also like how it is sort of a relationship that defies fate 
right? And that is su- that is it's a bit of a it's kind of a trope, but it's a trope that is directly related to also the fact that it's a queer relationship um, and a, a fate and expectation basically kind of are as a meta fate is a metaphorical allegory for expectation and societal expectation i think is a valid interpretation at least that, that's how i see it and in 2015 um the fact that it was just max and chloe and not just like this sort of you weren't customizing max to be whatever gender you wanted and it was uh, uh, uh two women falling in love with each other um and that that it was making that choice I mean, that was, it's still pretty early on. I think Gone Home came out in 2013 um, as a different one. But in terms of like explicit but, representation yeah, no, no, no. in games, yeah, it's pretty, it's kind of groundbreaking. It certainly, certainly was. I am also, oh, another, you know, mm, we have a lot of sad games on this. <laughs> yeah. Are we sad people? <laughs> I, sometimes. Because my next sometimes. one, I don't know if you've played this at all or any entering the franchise. Um, I have played Earthbound. Oh, I yeah. have not So I'm played... talking about Mother 3. Mm-hmm. Mother 3. Mother 3 is a game that is uh, not out in the United States legally, so of course I haven't played it. But what I've heard about it, <laughs> what I've definitely heard about it through the grapevine, is that it is the story of Lucas and his uh, his family out in the environment. It is a pretty. It's like a direct sequel to um, Earthbound, but very far in the future because little Porky comes back after being trapped in the time vessel for fucking two hundred or whatever years, and he's got this grand megalomaniacal empire and is destroying the environment. And in the ensuing chaos, Lucas's family gets completely torn apart. Um, his you know, cabin gets blown up. He gets separated from his twin brother as a chasm appears between them and he, the, and Klaus, Klaus and Lucas, which got the cutest, <laughs> cutest names for twins. Um, if you didn't know, Luke, Lucas is in Smash and his brown haired alternate scheme is Klaus, right? If you didn't know that. So I always played, I did Klaus. not know that. <laughs> I always played as Klaus. Um, so, and I, uh, yeah, we are gonna. I am gonna have to get into spoilers. Please for, for hit this. me. I, I don't um, know anything so, about this plot. Cla- uh, and then his mother dies as well, like early, like confirmed mother dying, and that sends the father into just a, a, gr- a grief-induced rage. So it's basically up to Lucas, who's got enormously talented psionic powers, to put the world back together because the world's getting fucked up by this, uh, by this, by Porky and. Of course, so so he has to go around, and there's all these like mystical elements because it's the Earthbound universe. You go on adventures, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it, it, it 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 talks a lot about you know the empire. I mean, it doesn't talk a lot about it, but it shows a lot of how you know environmental impact and the the, the climate and the fact that our climate is also in uh, uh, in a rapid shift can cause you know can, can cause uh, distress and and damage to families and things like that if he puts that on like a human level which i think is important social commentary talks a lot about attachment and interpersonal re- relationships in your your family specifically and that kind of love which is not rare but it's not quite ever so like fully fleshed out as like an entire family right in earthbound too like i mean not earthbound too but in earthbound there's no is there earthbound as well in earthbound additionally you have a father who's just like there on your phone who's your bank yeah exactly whatever like Like, it's not really that game don't do anything yeah no no it's just about children but like what are like in this game there's like a fully fleshed family there's relationships that get fleshed out and then there's 
that whole cataclysmic separation. And what ends up happening is that Klaus gets captured by Porky and mind controlled and is running around as this masked man as his antagonist. And then like the clues are pretty clear and you're like chasing this guy. There's like two people who can like, there's like Lucas is the special person who can pull needles out of the ground to awaken the dragon to like fix the world. Right. And then there's one other person who can do it. And it's this masked man, <laughs> like who happens to be your size. And you're like, Oh my God. But what ends up happening? And this is, do you, um, Oh God, it's hard to talk about. So in the final battle, um, right before Porky, Klaus starts to awaken, kind of remember his memories, but he's like so badly beaten and he's starting to remember all of the horrible like atrocities he's committed as like a child and what he does he's really good at and like the reason we're finally beating him is because we have an item on us called the Franklin badge you know that from smash brothers I know as well that from smash brothers yep and what klaus does is he could sends his strongest lightning blast at you to kill himself ah right in front of you ah and it's like it's like i'm so sorry i can't he like can't handle his own grief and then he's like then there's like this moment where he's like dying in your arms as lucas and it is the saddest thing (laughs) the saddest like singular gaming moment that exists um uh and that is that has impacted me a lot personally i mean i have two brothers that would suck (laughs) if we ended up having to have a conflict like that but there's um there's a lot to also to talk that speaks to me in terms of not only losing family members, but in processing and accepting death. Lucas was kind of able to process and accept his mother's death also because his mother was able to like talk to him from the afterlife and I, like, okay, like, it's okay. Like question, like, yeah. does Lucas speak as a protagonist? Like, not really, getting, no. Okay. Not but, really, no. But, but, but you're of, getting all this through the way that people are talking to him. You're still getting all this through him. everyone else's relationship to, to Lucas. Um, and of course, his father not processing and accepting death and not really being much of a help because of it. And then the consequences of not accepting yourself and your own actions. Well, if they all come crashing, if that all comes crashing down, uh, you could do some pretty harmful stuff um, as is shown in the end of that game. So yeah, there is uh, that's, that's a pretty impactful one from on my, that's probably going to be on my list for a long time. They should release this game in the United States. (laughs) It is outrageous that they have it. Should I not engage in any crimes whatsoever, but perhaps read a lengthy I have, description yeah, of the gameplay be, of Mother 3? That would probably be good. I don't remember it being particularly long or difficult. It has a really cool combat mechanic where you have to hit things to the beat of the music behind you <laughs> to get more damage. And it's also so fucking funny. <laughs> that's, that's what people say. People say that game is so funny. It's so funny, but also the saddest game. <laughs> it is wild how good that game is. The Greeks knew. Well, this game's not funny. <laughs> this no, last oh, game is not funny. Oh, yeah, my last game? Yeah. Yeah, no, talk about talk about familial love and processing death. Jesus Yeah, Christ. here you go. Yeah, okay, so uh, my third game, What Remains of Edith Finch. This is one of my favorite games of all time. Thanks. I replay this game like every couple of years. Um, how? Because <laughs> I want to get hit again, okay? Because I want to feel something it's again. So sad. This is a 2017 game, uh, one of the early Annapurna games. I want to say yeah. um, uh, it's a it's a walking simulator, and in my opinion, I think probably like the best use that form has been put to mm. um you play someone sort of like wandering through uh, this rambling old family home in the middle of the pacific northwest and it's like 
it's like it's like an escape room this house it's like this house is like it's a house that's had like two other houses stacked on top of it over yeah, the years it wild. like it's ramshackle and it's tall and it's creaky it's just Howl's moving castle basically because the whole thing about it is it, it was like the home of this sort of like big sprawling clan this family with like you know grandparents and parents and lots of kids and everything and the whole family is basically beset by tragedy like like over the years like oftentimes much earlier than they should have people have met with very tragic ends and the family itself has in turn not done a great job of dealing with that oftentimes choosing to kind of like board up their rooms and keep them preserved as like these museums to their past and so the whole game is just you you wander through this house and you get these sort of narrated segments that take you back into snapshots or moments of the lives of each of these people. And you experience like, you know, all the different things they had going on. Some of them were battling with depression. Some of them were battling with sort of like, you know, um, like, 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 uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Maladaptive daydreaming. Some of them are like in general, like there's a lot of themes of like, you know, different types of sort of mental health troubles running through this game and like the ways that people can struggle against them and the ways that people can sometimes kind of like either lose their battles with them or at the very least not be in a good position to like, you know, keep themselves safe as a result. And, and yet there is this current of love running through the whole thing because the more that, you know, that this tragedy faces his family, the more also this, there's this really kind of like tight love that binds everyone closer together because that's all they have. All they have is each other and all they have is whoever's left and they just have to to continue to sort of like, you know, to to, to keep going day after day and keep figuring out what the future looks like. And, and I'm not going to spoil the end of this game, actually. Um, I think mm. it's a pretty yeah. effective, well-done reveal. But in terms of like a depiction of again it, like if if the thing i like about games that are about love is love that is complicated it doesn't get much more complicated than the almost cartoonish level of tragedy that this family faces over the course of like 80 years yeah um quick question who's your favorite finch who's my favorite finch yeah pick one <laughs> i know oh, mine i would need to remember their names i'm thinking I mean, I'm always going to be in love with the boy who worked at the cannery, right? That's Lewis. Yeah, it's yep, my favorite. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, Louis Finch. Oh my god! Who, who, oh my the guy god! Who worked, <laughs> he worked at the cannery up until he didn't. Yeah, woof. Um, uh, Lewis is a that that one that one hurts. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh huh. <laughs> well, don't worry, guys. I'm going to end it off on a nice one here. I am going to. It would be silly of me to host a Final Fantasy themed podcast without mentioning. A favorite game of mine, Final Fantasy IX. This one in particular, uh, this is uh, this one caps off the PS1 era of games. Um, is this? I think this is Sakaguchi's last one. This has the boy with the tail, right? This has the boy with the tail, and that's a big part of it. So this one talks a lot uh, to me uh, more about romantic love, and he kind of. So the the start of this game is so fucking great. Um, he is the boy with the tail is part of a troupe of traveling theatricists actors a wandering theater troupe do they actually put on productions that you see in the game yes and <sighs> yes i should play this game and and it is a front uh it is all a front uh they're flying into the kingdom of alexandria as a front to kidnap the princess 
<laughs> the traveling troupe where like everyone's going to be on them and then they like I know you should like, trust traveling performers they get into the audience to do some you know audience participation or whatever some stuff and chaos ensues on stage like oh there was a the production thing and chaos ensues and when they're going to go kidnap the princess the princess comes out of the room and says please kidnap me <laughs> She is ready to go. <laughs> She's like, please, I beg you to kidnap me. And they're like, uh, okay. And thus, Final Fantasy IX starts. And you get start. You observe this relationship between the princess, uh, Princess Garnet, who takes on many different aliases as her journey because she is a fugitive. <laughs> She's either a fugitive or a kidnap thing. She's like somewhere in between, right? And uh, and Zidane. And Zidane is is kind of a creep. He's kind of a he's kind of a womanizer, a handsy little like uh, Jackson, whatever. But he also uh, is that's kind of putting on a front because he is the only boy with a tail, <laughs> and he does not really know where he belongs or wants Wait, to get close with anyone in the world. In the world, oh okay. So he's like a whole like like I don't whole, know I don't know where I came from type thing. He has a lot to deal with, and this one of this big kind of I think probably the biggest keyword here is like home and finding a place to love as much as finding the people and what makes a place to love as well as like yeah finding your is it is it your point point of origin or is it maybe where your chosen family are in the end and he at the start is kind of thinking like oh I gotta find where I'm from and then by the end of it is like no my the people I'm with matters that's what makes a home and that's who love that's where love prevails and um side so you know uh, also like a nice I want to nod to Freya and, oh my God, what's Freya's paramour's name? Womp womp. It's Sir Fratley. Womp womp. But it is also another really good love story. <laughs> so, so what is it about this that really works, do you think? What about this is that the the reveal... So a lot of Final Fantasy games will really, really try hard to really, really make you sad. Yes. Um, and this one is a little bit less ham-fisted in that way it is also a nice there's a lot about identity and there's a lot to talk about i think particularly the the home the symbolism of home and where where that is i'm not necessarily going to reveal where that home is for zidane but um it doesn't have to be where you're from and as somebody that has moved out of a city that i lived in and really wanted to that was something that always that always inspired or gave me confidence to to travel and to look for connections away that might be further away than I expect. Um, so I feel like this game is a huge part of who and where I am currently. So that's why that works for me. I also think that there are this game still does make you sad, but it's not because of the love story. You're not you're not just hearing Romeo and Juliet over and over again. Um, as you oftentimes are in these kinds of games, but the, but nine in particular, especially with, with the love story, I think, and the, the, the relationship that most of the cast has with the rest of the cast with one notable exception who maybe didn't need to be in the game. It's just, he's just kind of there. He's introduced a little late and then he doesn't have much of a story apart from I'm a loner. Oh, I guess I shouldn't be alone. So this is not the big blue guy. It is the big, it's the big Blue guy with the red hair. Oh, okay. Not not the blue mage. Not Queena. Queena is incredible. <laughs> Isn't this the game with like the the big pear shaped blue guy? Though? Yeah, that's Queena. That's oh, Queena. Okay. <laughs> and then there's also Steiner, who is also pear shaped, but he's in the armor. Got it. Okay. <laughs> but this also just has a lot. Yeah, it has a much more cartoonish medieval fantasy feel than the uh, steampunk teenage 
uh, wastelands of seven and eight, which is so nice. Anyway, you know, Final I, Fantasy IX is a favorite. I have right. never played eight, and I am very curious what that game would be like to play for the first time in a modern age. That one, that one, we might want to do on the pod because it is so ridiculous. It is so high camp that it is funny to talk about. <laughs> uh, this list is getting very long. Okay, um, that could be. It could be. Could be like a semi-recurring. We'll do a Final Fantasy once in a while kind of deal. But we need a break. <laughs> we okay. just spent two years doing one one of them. And on that note, should we talk about the Final Fantasy fourteen Valentinos Day? Yes, yes, we do. We did uh, say at the top of the episode we were going to dip back into doing a little bit of recap this is just for funsies we haven't had much time to do really in-depth content for final fantasy 14 um you know we we know that there's interest in like the raids and the other stuff for Endwalker to talk about in our quest log but it's been busy um so we but we did decide for v-day we wanted to do the v-day content um it starts off um, God, this is this is like the most lightweight one of these I think we've ever done. Yeah, this we haven't so... done one of these. In a, we have done some of the content episodes, where, especially in the early ones where we were a little bit story light. We did dip into the holiday stuff, but obviously not from at least Stormblood onward. We were like, we don't have time for this. Like every episode is like 90 minutes long. But it's, it was nice to go back to something like this. Um, this quest starts in Gridania with the, with the symbol of love. And we meet up again with good old Astrid. The last time we saw her, was this the one where Astrid, Astrid was like, we did this two, we didn't do last year, but we did two years ago when we just about started. Um, and we, um, she was like, I don't want to wear girls clothes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was, okay. Yep, that, that was the one we did. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was cool. And this is not, not, n- not that. She has another favor of us though. And she's back. You know, love is in the air. Uh, and house valentione are back they're like the only italian house <laughs> i don't know why they're is that is that like a french thing whatever they wanted to make valentine slightly french but they came up with valentione love is in the air she has that favor to ask another emissary of the house emily the one who does like girly clothing has departed earlier and hasn't returned from her errand we must find her she's over to the east a bit it's like hopefully she's not in trouble wait she actually is not she's, she's hanging definitely out. not she's hanging out under a tree she's practicing her new move she has a new, Sick move. new moves she has a new move called love heart love heart well she beckons us back to the amphitheater so that she can show us all and she shows it off how cute it is. The camera zooms out, focuses on her. She does the, we'll call it the millennial heart gesture. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, she puts her hands together in a heart shape in front of her, and we get some cute pink particle effects. Yeah. She has invented this move where she looks at someone and it makes a heart shape at them because she thinks that it will help the normally buttoned up Gridanians who don't express their feelings to uh, let like to um, let their let their emotions show a bit more and, and express mm-hmm. their love more openly. Yes, uh, but sure. there's so many of those people. So Emily wants, Emily, Emily. Emily wants us to, how many times am I going to say Emily? Emily wants us to help out on her, help her out on this mission. So she teaches us the gesture and we learn it immediately, which, much to her chagrin. It's not that complicated. She was like, I've spent so long practicing it. Um, and we go help out a few folk around the town. But from off screen, before we go, we hear a moan. It's Lisette de Valentione in full garb. She herself 
has offered her own assistance, the lady of the house. I don't remember. Is she always in this garb? She is pretty much all until after the quest is over. She no, is pretty uh, much uh, like in this garb. Oh, yes. Okay, like her this weird like, Valentine's Baker's garb. She's got a Valentine's Baker's. She's got a big like chef's hat. Little frilly apron that's bright red, and the then stockings. the mids. Yeah, and the stockings. It's like it's like, it's like a third mm-hmm. baker, a third French maid, and a third like wicked witch of the West. Okay, we're gonna go and we're gonna use the power of um, the love heart. Emote, love heart, which was now we now have unlocked the love heart emote. Yes. Our first uh, target we find is a hopeless lass. Mm-hmm. She is uh, pining over the proprietor of the local grocery. Um, and so we're like, well, we need to inflame her passions with a love heart. So we we come up, we walk up to her apropos of nothing <laughs> and Flash give her a heart, heart gesture, <laughs> staring directly at her. She's understandably quite confused. Uh-huh. Um, um, but she does. But with this, uh, we, we, we explain, hey, this gesture is supposed to give you courage to face your troubles. Right. And you're worried about love. And she says, yeah, but how is that gesture? I... I guess I can ask my crush how to best cut some of these vegetables in this veggie shop into a heart shape because it's the season. I don't know. She's like, okay, thanks. We offered tenuous help at best, but I'll count it as a success if you will. Hey, go girl. Get that zucchini. Get you. Oh, moving on. We show our heart to a dejected lad outside the market board. His beloved has stormed off just before we met him. They're having a spat. Because he was late for their meeting. But he was late because he was delayed in getting her her gift. He couldn't decide. And he says, okay, well, I'm going to go talk to her about that. Um, so wait, wait, before he does that, uh-huh. we flash him the love heart. And then he decides to go off and talk to her yeah, about it. Yeah, I'm not sure how that how he helped with that one whatsoever. But we were hey, there. They called it, it happened. Valent- they called it a Valentine's Day miracle. It's a, it is the Valentine's miracle of the love heart. We show our heart next and finally to a brass-bound wood whaler up by the Lancers Guild. I don't know what that is. They are just duty-bound, I guess. I don't know. Who is pretty weirded out at first. <laughs> she gets. She demands us to explain herself or to explain ourselves. And it turns out, after we do, she was really just defensive because she was so scared. She's scared of love. But our gesture has somehow shown her that it takes courage to ask her crush out, much like it takes courage to go up to strangers and show them the love heart emote in public. Back at the amphitheater, we report our success to the emissaries. Emil is like happy that it works. She's like, it's a bit flamboyant, but it gets the job done. Um, oh, but, um, everyone then gets very confused. We're all like, but say, how does the image of the, how did the image of the heart get associated with Valentina's day? And it's like, time for story. Wait, no, we're interrupted. Uh, Lisette is back and she basically looks, uh, sick. Yeah. From off screen. She saw her boyfriend, Hortificence. Hortificence? Hortificence? I don't fucking know. (laughs) Hortificence. (laughs) She saw her boyfriend's port of sense whispering to another woman in a grove. And she's like, is he having a a tryst? She was so overcome that rather than talk to him about it, she just ran off. But Astrid reminds her, hey, you know, the family, remember the family motto? Love is the fruit born of bravery. And reminds her that their ancestor, Countess Arabelle, the warrior lover who fought for love above all else, which is why her shield has a heart on it. I want the the warrior lover job crystal right now. I need that. I need next, that. I need that memory crystal right now. Expansion after next, I guess, or maybe it'll be a limited job. But I need it. I need it. They've said it, and I need it. 
What is it like? Like melee DPS, probably tank for sure. Oh, ta- yeah. Actually, you're right. Yeah. Okay. It's just yeah. Like I guess a- you draw all the aggro. <laughs> Um, those are the words of, as you mentioned, Countess Arabelle de Valendione, whose shield formed the shape of a heart. Lizette musters the courage to confront Horseface, and we tail her just in case. Oh, we find him at the airship landing? Mm-hmm. Um, Lizette immediately, initially it's kind of like she's stammering. She's like, oh, what, what are you, uh, what's going on? And so we shout, we shout at her to encourage her. We tell her again, remember, love is the fruit born of courage. This was, this was not two minutes ago. <laughs> Um, upon her actually shouting out her accusation, the demure damsel he's speaking with tries to clear up the confusion. For you see, she came to him for advice since his relationship with Lisette is so good and she wants the same thing with her possible boyfriend mm. lover. I mean, I that's, what the, that's what it's, it's just like. That's literally my job. What do you want? He's in uniform. <laughs> and then Horton of Sense himself is not offended at all that Lisette did not trust him and instead yeah. loves the level of fury that she brought to this accusation. Yeah, she, he is for some reason really flattered at the gesture of jealousy and possessiveness and confronts her, or com- comforts her, believing that he was the one who caused her sorrow, which I didn't like <laughs> one yeah, bit. Yeah, no, did not like. In, in general, the way that this. <laughs> but okay. The way these events always talk about love is not how I think think about romantic <laughs> affection um but Lisette does the love heart to encourage the other gal to go get her guy yeah who okay cleared up that mis- misunderstanding Whew, that could have been disastrous um while it is the, the moral of the story is that while it is scary to share your feelings it's not as scary as never knowing what would happen if you didn't ah uh, also the sight of Lisette doing the love heart pose made Hortefance so horny he almost passed out he does he does do that Oh, boy. We reconvene back at the amphitheater, summarize the events of the day, and hand out the proper thanks to all those who contributed to the successful em- emis- the successful mission of spreading the love. And I guess we learned that, like, the Lady, um, Lady Arabelle didn't have the heart on the shield to represent love. She had a heart on her shield, and she represented love, so the heart can represent love by proxy of her. Yeah. Sure. Quest complete! Quest complete. We did it! That was barely anything. It was awesome. (laughs) I loved it. It was nice. It was a nice treat, and I don't envy writers having to come up with these things every single holiday for every year. (laughs) I'm just saying they should put a twist on it next time. Maybe they will. I don't know. Um, We are going to... At this point, of course, it's time for our regular episode capping sponsored segment this episode has been brought to you today by by tovo.io the streaming service because uh love fest max is currently in their programming lineup hell yes jerome do you want to read some of these titles from the love fest max uh streaming lineup absolutely i was a teenage fish but i got kissed by a guy and then i became a full-grown uh also fish, but I could speak Spanish. Wait, they got that one? They got that I one. It sounds like fun. Enrique Iglesias stars as the guy. I thought Disney had the rights. Well, they sold the rights. I don't know. Things can be bought and sold. Another exciting title is The Elephant in the Room is My Mother-in-Law. That sounds like some That's really bad, shit. actually. Yeah, I don't like that one. <laughs> I'm looking at it here. That's, that's in black and that's white. Like that's like a love because of a common enemy, but also like pretty problematic sound. I, I think they probably get that one for cheap. Yeah. And finally, whatever happened to the kid that I kind of liked in high school 
that went off to the military but then got discharged from the military because he lied about having scoliosis. That's got Oscar buzz this year too. Yeah, it's Renee Zellweger like does a really good job. Yeah, in that in that leading role of that that Hallmark one. She's up for best actress and best supporting actress. I heard. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, so I think that sounds really great for Tovo Diodo. Offerings. I'm not cutting that. That's that's part of the copy. I never know what he's going to cut. That's that's part of the copy. Why would I cut it? Okay. They wrote it right here. They did write. Oh, the, the the cat might have run across my keyboard and I was transcribing that. Oh, okay. That might have been Dashel. Okay. Well, what a cutie. You can't be mad at him. I can't be mad at him. And on that note, of course, we have to remind everyone that we love them. Thank you all so much for listening to We do. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Storm Buds. You can check out the link in the description of the episodes to to follow our socials and join our Discord where you can get the quickest announcements. I finally put the RSS feed in the Discord so that it'll announce when the episodes actually go up as opposed to just manually doing them at like five hours after the fact. But hey, go in there if you want to get that sort of thing. You'll be notified when uh, when we go live, things like that, when we have in-game events, uh, other things that are fun, just fun conversations. You can also join our newfound adventure thread. Remember, February 25th, we're going to be talking about Hollow Knight, a game I finished. You can play along with us and you can submit uh, your opinions and thoughts and journey in the newfound adventure thread. We look forward to hearing from you there. Um, if you've got a second in your day uh, to spread some love for Stormbuds, you can leave reviews, you could like, you could share, you can rate on your podcast platform of choice. Um, and that we, I mean, we, we see all those and appreciate them and they make a huge difference. They really do. They really do. They are so, it's so awesome to see. So, um, without much further ado, cut an end to this episode, born from bugs, storm of bugs, love bug counts, right? We've been the storm bugs, baby. Good night. I'm a, I'm a beetle. Is that what Beatles sound like? I'm ending every episode with a Beatles uh, with a bug sound. With a, uh, yeah. You could do like a Beatles song. We could do we could do like I wanna hold your hand. That's Beatles, right?